0: Welcome to the soul podcast, great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. Soul is a production of through the word. That's the intro time for the show. So let's get to it. You've got to hear this story. Welcome to the soul podcast, great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. I'm talking with Dax fears from youth with a mission. Dax, welcome to the studio. Say hello, hello to our audience.
1: Hello and thank you.
0: You got some good stories and I love a good story. So I'm actually going to jump in right away uh, we'll explain who youth with a mission is and what you do, but I want to go jump right away. Take us to Mongolia and tell me what you were doing this summer in Mongolia.
1: Yeah, Mongolia is a pretty uh, wild place actually to give you a little context. It's, um, half the population of the DFW area, but it's almost three times the size of Texas. So, um, if you can picture that we landed in Mongolia. There's so much landmass there that going from home to home in some of the locations uh, takes a long, long time. And so we were doing a big Bible distribution push to to the homes there in Mongolia. And we said yes, not fully knowing, but knowing that it was going to be really challenging with the distance in between uh, each home. But we set off and, and did that. I, I've been able to uh, travel some and to different harder to reach places around the world, but I would have to say it's one of the most remote places that I've ever been.
0: Now, now, what took you there? You're part of Youth with a Mission, and tell me just a little bit about the End Bible Poverty Now movement of, of YWAM, and then let's jump back into to your mission in Mongolia, because some incredible things happen there.
1: Yeah, so with YWAM, uh, our End Bible Poverty Now initiative is Simply trying to get a Bible to every home on earth and in and a form and language that the people can understand and engage with. So that's what we did with uh, Mongolia is um, we saw that a large majority of them did not have Bibles that they can engage with. And so we uh, we planned out a distribution trip with written audio and uh, and different Bibles for for each of those homes.
0: Now, give me a picture of of the size of this. How, how big is your group? How are you getting there? Youth With a Mission, is this a bunch of kids showing up or and uh, and what, what do you got packed with you?
1: Yeah, uh, the Youth With a Mission has about 700 training locations around the world in 160 countries. So when our founder, Lauren Cunningham, did a big push and asked that people around the world consider about going to Mongolia to be a part of this mission, we had a lot of volunteers and we ended up at the end of a three, almost four month span We had 750 foreigners come into Mongolia to be a part of this project from so many different nations around the world.
0: So these are all YWAMers from from bases all over the world, collecting 700 of them and uh, for four months. So this is going all all summer with the with the purpose, with the goal of delivering Bibles in some form that people can connect with. Tell me tell me a story of, of what it's like delivering a bible what does the bible look like and uh, and tell me about the people that you connected with
1: so this was uh, a f- very very fun trip that i personally went on i've again i've been able to i've been real blessed to be able to travel all over the world but this was unique because we flew into the capital and there we had our audio some audio bibles we had these micro sd cards that go into your phone and that will We'll bring up the audio Bible onto your phone, and you don't even need Wi-Fi or data. That's the beautiful thing about SD cards, because we knew we were going into very remote areas of Mongolia. We also had children's booklets and um, and portions of scripture. So we flew to a smaller town on the uh, on the west part of Mongolia by China, and then we got on a on a uh, in a car on a in a four x four, and we went driving all day long and the first day we actually went to a post-soviet radio tower and there had been a few homes that had been built right around that and a little store and in that store we met this farmer slash hunter he was he was actually owned some uh some animals some cattle and he said he lived about half a day further than that and he was so surprised to see foreigners he said why don't you come and visit me but we, uh, we, we knew we couldn't make it that day. But the whole drive back to the town, the whole day drive back to where we were staying, I kept thinking about that man. And I kept thinking about when's the next opportunity that someone will get to go and see that family and get an invite to that family. And I asked the pastor that was driving with us, I said, had, uh, had any of the Christians in the area gone to that area? And we were the first believers to go to that area and actually kept me up at night. And so the next morning I woke up and I talked to my team of four and I said, uh, I said, guys, I can't get that guy out of my mind and his family. When's the next time someone's going to go out there and get an invite or, or make the trip? I said, we got to go. So we planned out, we, uh, what it would take, you know, got extra gas, got food, everything that we, uh, everything that we could. And we took off for, for that man's house, not even knowing cause he didn't have a phone. We didn't even know if he was going to be there. And we show up and it was so remote and he wasn't even there. (laughs) So we sat there for a little bit and he was out with his animals, but his kids started to see us from afar and came in and the, they were sharing through the pastor who was translating for us that he'll be there at the end of the day. And we waited and we were able to give this family an audio Bible and and give the kids booklets and explain why we're there and he was so taken off guard that we would turn around and travel this far to share about um the belief that we had and he said he had he knew about shamanism and knew about buddhism from that area but he had never heard such a compelling story he didn't as we prayed with him he didn't give his life to the lord but he said I want my neighbors to hear this story as well and when he said neighbors we didn't know really we said, where in the world are your neighbors at? And it ended up being about three or four hour drive for each house. But what we did is he came with us and he heard us share the gospel to um, all these families and uh, give uh, portions of scripture, Bibles and and children's booklets. And we picked up one man, this, I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. One of the furthest homes we reached, we picked up in our four by four car, uh, the man that's, home he was walking to because he was with his animals and he was herding his, his um, goats. And when we picked him up, we started, he said, what are you guys doing here? He was so shocked to see foreigners. And we explained the gospel. We explained why we traveled all this way. And he was so shocked and looked at us um, with these big eyes and then asked us into his, his gear. And he made us some tea and then he sat down and he said, you guys won't believe this, but when you picked me up, I was praying, and he said, but I've seen shamanism, and it's not real. I've seen I've seen Buddhism, and it's not real. So when I was praying, when you guys picked me up, I was praying to God of the universe because I didn't know who to pray to. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here, and now I have foreigners who've traveled thousands of miles away to tell me about this God who's God of the universe. And he just said, I will read every word of this book. And uh, it it was so powerful you could you could almost feel the presence of the lord in the house and his kids were listening his wife were listening and his eyes started to tear up and and he said i want you to come back or and to the pastor as well i want you to come back after i've read this book and let's talk more
0: that's pretty incredible now it's funny when we talk about missions there uh, when i've gone on mission trips i remember as an early christian when i was brand new and and our church went on mission trips so this is a great new thing to do I remember getting a lot of pushback from my family about why are you spending so much money to go over there? Why doesn't somebody else reach them? Is it, is it meaningful to, to people that, that you would go to the other side of the world to reach them?
1: Yeah. And I've had a lot of those questions too. And I'm actually a, a fan of the when helping hurts books that, you know, that, that question, basically the whole book questions that, and I, I enjoyed that book, but I would, I like to kind of have discussion with people that ask that question. Um, I've done a lot of short-term trips and uh, I've, uh, I've worked in an organization where there's a lot of short-term trips, especially with that specific story in Mongolia. You see the impact of what it is to an individual saying you've traveled all this way for a belief. Why would you spend the money? Why would you come all this way? I don't think uh, that that's the model that should always be followed. I think, uh, mission is best done by the local church or through the local church, but I think it speaks volume when you see uh, people traveling the world in a passion to, to have every home have a chance uh, to hear about Jesus, and so that's, that's what I believe in, and I, I think that's worth traveling for, but I think the biggest or one of the biggest things that goes along with that is the amount of people I've seen go on short-term missions trip, and that have gone long term on the field after that trip or have now have a heart connection to that nation and have either given to the long term indigenous leaders, um, donated to them or have prayed for that nation after that trip.
0: And I'm, I'll, I'll chime in on that one because that really is close to my heart. One of my favorite things about YWAM as an organization, I actually plugged in with Youth with a Mission back when I was a youth pastor, and I had the opportunity to to take my kids on a short-term trip. We just went to San Francisco, which was around the corner for us, but that short-term trip led a bunch of my kids, at least a dozen of the, the kids in the youth group, to follow up with a summer of service, and some of those to follow up with a, a DTS, which... in why whammers know what that means, but, but discipleship training school and then ongoing mission. And really, in the long run, it's the ongoing mission and especially the mission of the local church that handles the making disciples. But short term missions I have seen effective when they are when they are worked effectively as a part of the greater whole. So tell me the greater hole in, in Mongolia besides driving incredibly out of your way to, to reach one person that God wanted you to meet. What was the bigger picture of the 700, uh, that were, were all headed out? What did you hope to accomplish?
1: So the, the big goal was to get every home in Mongolia Bible. So, um, we, we started down that road and, um, towards that goal, and we were able to reach, um, over 65,000 homes. Um, to date in a four-month span and but actually a lot of the hurdles that we that we came across this summer we've learned now and this is going to roll over to the next two years so now we've are hoping to have a two-year goal of 600,000 homes um, where we will reach with these children's booklets with a bible and with an audio bible and this audio bible also has the video lumo on it which will show um, through their cell phone or um um yeah primarily the sd cards will be used in cell phones but we'll show the lumo in a gospel film so this film will show the story of jesus which is an amazing amazing film
0: yeah the lumo project is pretty incredible and all of the the stuff you're talking about distributing are not ywam materials and and one of the reasons we're here you and i are actually sitting and recording while we're at the the e10 the the every tribe every nation summit which is a pretty phenomenal gathering. This is the first one a gathering of agencies that are working in Bible translation and Bible distribution around the world. And that partnership I'm seeing before my eyes is accomplishing things that most of us as individual organizations never dreamed of. So, so who LUMO you talk about? LUMO project is a fantastic project of developing uh, films of the the gospels and putting them into uh, into languages all over the world. Who are the other partners that are, are providing materials that you're distributing
1: for the children's booklets? And I didn't even know that they had these. This is what's amazing about the body of Christ. I just had to start kind of calling around to these different organizations and saying, you know, we've done a big call to Mongolia. This is our goal is to get um, people engaged with the word of God. And all of a sudden, Version comes out with, with one hope and said, hey, we've worked together to do a children's Bible app, which I, I'm familiar with the children's Bible app on my phone. My, my two-year-old plays with it. But I didn't know that they had a booklet and that it was already translated into Mongolian. So we actually were able to take all the kids a Mongolian children's booklet, and it, it was so powerful, so effective. And we also connected with IMB there in in Mongolia, and they had done a Gospel of Mark. And then we were able to connect with Every Home for Christ. They had these pamphlets of that spelled out the gospel, the story of Jesus, they called it. And then on the back, it would lead you through a prayer. And then, uh, yeah, Jesus Film helped out as well, and Lumo. So we had more than enough resources on this project. And and that's what, you know, I've, I've been doing this. Um, I've been in YWAM almost nine years and in Bible distribution engagement for five. And what I've seen is just so much collaboration that honestly, it, it makes you, it just makes you proud. I just, I can't believe how many people came to our aid and kind of had our back on this project. It was beautiful to see.
0: And how good and pleasant it is when brethren well together in unity and what i've seen in the collaboration is is not only a an effectiveness it's certainly more effective in accomplishing the ministry but it's also a statement to the world when when christians get along across denominational separations now ywam is not denominational specifically but uh but some of the others are and and every organization has some level of doctrinal or denominational bent based on who its members are but when we Past those barriers and we connect together it makes a statement to the world yeah. and Jesus prayed that we would be one and there's a reason for that because people see it and and it makes an impact now uh, I want to hear more about why and I want to get a little more of your story but uh, but tell me one story you meant you brought up Nigeria earlier you were actually just on the phone before we started recording and some really cool stuff coming up and just to give our, our audience a, a picture that Mongolia is is one of the the outreaches that you're a part of. But, uh, but when I get in a conversation with you, I, I generally hear uh, several countries all over the place. So tell me what's going on in the uh, Nigeria just, just today.
1: Yeah, with Bible distribution and engagement, right now we've, we've worked in 63 different nations and 107 different languages as of the last uh, few years. But Nigeria's special place on my heart. We have a, an amazing YWAM leader there that's uh, been doing, um, yeah, just has seen a lot of amazing work happening uh, what he's seen is um, over a hundred uh, Boko Haram militants put down their weapons and come and do a discipleship training school and what's that what started with that is just with a handful of people doing it they've basically recruited people have heard the stories and um, and more people are coming and so their the campus there is starting to be filled with students that have done our discipleship training school but if you go and talk to them, you're, you might meet someone who was a child soldier and have killed people. And these stories are just crazy to hear.
0: Now, explain Boko Haram.
1: So, the, the Boko Haram is what's going on in the northeast area of, of Nigeria, and it's the, it's the uh, extreme Islamic terrorist group. And they are, Nigeria is one of the most persecuted nations in the world right now. I just talked to someone two weeks ago on, on this same project who had met a widow, and he, he was. you could tell he was still emotional about it because this widow had made such an impact on his life. The widow was not just a widow of one husband of three, and over a span of many years, he, she had married a Christian man who had been beheaded, and he, she grieved and grieved, but ended up marrying another who was beheaded by the same group, grieved and grieved, and then married another, and now she's this elderly lady with children, and uh, not knowing what to do now, and she's had three husbands beheaded because of their faith. And when asked, they just said, we pray that if um, we ever are, have the chance to either die or, you know, stand up for our faith, that we would always stand up for our faith, and we, we would choose death than deny Christ and it's just so, you hear these stories and you get so impacted. And So when I meet with our YWAM leaders through prayer and others, I just have such a draw and a heart for Nigeria. And so we, we actually, just in the last year, have purchased some land there. Uh, I say we, because it's part of my story, I, I like to think so, uh, just because of the work and, and prayer that I've been a part of. But of, of our leader there, and, and they've built a campus for these uh, ex-militants and now housing widows that are coming in from the Northeast and need a place to stay and um, need some income. So we actually, the text I got, the phone call that I've, I've been on is the, we just closed on some farmland that now these widows are going to be able to uh, use to have a source of income and have means for their children. And our YWAMers will train them and work with them on uh, setting up this this farm for them
0: that is awesome at, at home pray for ywam in nigeria pray for ywam in mongolia and god's greater work nigeria actually is close to my heart we've got a, a very significant listening audience on through the word in nigeria and uh, a, a number of brothers and sisters who reach out to us and, and connect with us with, uh, with a phenomenal faith and uh, so for those listening in nigeria hello brothers and sisters but, uh, but we're going to back up. We're actually going to back away from the story. I know you have a lot more of those incredible stories. Something that happens for people who set themselves out on mission is, you know, good stories. And I love a good story. But let's back up to the story of how you got there. Uh, how did uh, uh, you look like at home? We're not looking at you, but you look like a clean cut American kid who <laughs> grew up and, and you got a young family. I, I would not pick you out of a crowd for someone to tell me what you just did all summer long in Mongolia and in Nigeria before that. So, uh, so how did this happen?
1: Well, I grew up in a Christian home and I, I am a kind of a, a Midwest and born and raised in a Christian home, but I really didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, even though I've, i my parents are just amazing. I can't say enough about them. Uh, whenever I started dating my, my girlfriend, uh, in college, She was in the same situation I was. You know, she grew up in a Christian home, but both trying to figure it out. And I did my last summer abroad in South Africa, actually. And I had a friend there who had a crazy story. He was an amazing guy, but got saved out of jail. And he just kept handing me these books in South Africa. And he handed me Crazy Love by Francis Chan. And I, I started reading that. I actually wrote my girlfriend back who was in Dallas and doing an internship there. And I said, let's read this together and email each other at the end of the week of what we're getting. And this is, there was a time together that we were in this chapter about lukewarm Christianity. And I just, at that moment, I still remember sitting there read, closing the book and saying, I either got to make the decision I'm doing this 100% or I'm not going to do it. Uh, there's no more going to be this one foot in, one foot out. Like if I'm going to do Christianity, I'm going to do it. If I'm going to believe in Jesus, I'm going to live like him. And so I wrote that out to my girlfriend and she wrote back and just said, I 100% agree. I'm there too. Let's do this. And so in a, and actually in a two month span, I went home and in September, it was about August. I was home. I think about September 18th, we ended up getting married uh, so about a month engagement and then two weeks later we went to a discipleship training school with ywam because we liked the name actually we thought we needed more discipleship so i really didn't know much about it i knew i had a cousin or two that had been a part of ywam and it was life changing for them but i liked the name i want to be discipled so we went and that was almost uh, that was uh, over nine years ago and we're still in it and never never came back
0: the uh the 100 commitment is something close to my heart as long as i've been a believer One of the most challenging things for me to see is a a half hearted Christianity. And I want to make clear that I don't think that if somebody is a hundred percent for Jesus, that you automatically end up in jungles on the other side of the world, that's not how it works. But if you are a hundred percent for Christianity and Jesus says, go to jungles on the other side of the world, when Jesus says, go, you go. Now, Jesus doesn't call every believer to every place on the planet. Your calling might be at home might be near where you are, but following Jesus is a hundred percent commitment. It's a covenant. It's, it's a following and you can't follow with one foot. You can't follow with, with half of, of your heart, you end up split. And, uh, and so that decision, and, and I'll say for, for those who I've seen, whether they are on mission on the other side of the world or at home, either way, at some point in their life, there was that decision of, of commitment to follow. Now, tell me a little bit more about what YWAM is. Give me the bigger picture about YWAM and the uh, the End Bible Poverty Now movement, and uh, and what that's all about, and how people plug into that. And then we're going to get to our theology throwdown in just a minute.
1: Y- YWAM is kind of a uh, a big thing to explain in in just a few minutes, but in my best summary, uh, to go back, it was about sixty. We're about to celebrate our sixtieth anniversary, and it was started by Lauren and Darlene Cunningham, Cunningham who Lauren was going uh, through seminary school and realized he did a study of how many people wanted to go into missions before seminary school and then how many actually went to missions afterwards. And the numbers were, were astonishing. He couldn't believe how many dropped. And I think it was 2%, if I remember right, actually still went into missions. Wow. And he, it was a big study and he said, I want to start a missions training school for young people that would be sent to the nations. And uh, a big concept that was different too with Lauren that I, I love is back in the day, people weren't thinking as much this way, but he was saying people from all nations need to go to all nations. And he even tells stories that when he preached this in Africa, people would come to him and say, um, people from here shouldn't be going as missionaries to other nations. And he'd say, they're reading the same Bible that we're reading. Even though they speak a different language, it's still the same words in their Bible. And so it was a different concept 60 years ago. But So he started a short-term uh, school that would send young people to the nations called a Discipleship Training School. Ten weeks of training and then sent to the nations. And that was 60 years ago. And now we have 700 training locations around the world. Uh, we're in 160 different nations. And every day we teach in 97 different languages. And in one course, or now we have many courses, children's course and everything, but we've had just about 5 million people complete some form of YWAM training or some form of course in the last 60 years. So it's become this massive movement uh, that was started six years ago.
0: And as a former youth pastor, I'll I'll, I'll give a a little plug. We did uh, did something called Mission Adventures. And so my first experience with YWAM was taking, I, I had a group of 20 kids out to Mission Adventures up in San Francisco. And Mission Adventures was a week of outreach. And I remember walking with my kids. Now, I hadn't actually visited ahead. I just got all the information on, on the internet early as it was then. And I had, I think I had like a 14 girls and like three boys. And this is how Mission goes a lot and all the girls sign up. And uh, they're, all the girls, they were supposed to pack small, but they all packed these huge suitcases with like full Costco size shampoo and. And so they're they're rolling their suitcases out and as we pull up to the base which I had not been to or visited yet and I'm looking at the address I'm like I think we're on the right street and as we roll up to to the the building we all had to to make our way around there there was there was a, a group of homeless on the street literally shooting up in front of us and some smoking crack right there and I'm like I don't know if we're in the right place for a youth group base but sure enough right next door to the Ywam base was the local gathering of of addicts and 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 that trip scared the everything out of those kids on day one by the end of that week they had such a hard time leaving because it was the first mission trip that we had been on where every aspect of the mission trip was interacting with people we had done so much where we were building houses for Fantastic, phenomenal work. Love. We, we did a house building trip in Mexico. We had done an outreach in uh, after 9/11, where we had gone and been a part of of some big events in the park, and we were clowns and such. And uh, and this YWAM base was so plugged in to their neighborhood. They were just part of the community. And what made it so fantastic? And every YWAM base is different in what they they do. But in in the time that we were there, we. We were so plugged in and connected, and everywhere we went, we, we were striking up conversations just in that that week. We were serving hot chocolate to homeless and striking up a conversation about God. And as soon as they heard, oh, you guys are with YWAM, there was, there was a, a connection to some of the long-term missionaries. Oh, yeah, say hi to so-and-so, because they had become part of that community. They, they had so connected and were so part of it. And plugging in there, and then that was the follow up that happened after that, where where my kids, uh, YWAM has a mission adventures a week, and then summer of service is a summer long for for high school and college age kids, and uh, and then some who went to the summer of service went to discipleship training school, which is uh, much more intense, and uh, I don't remember how long is discipleship training school go for. You were you were, you entered DTS. Tell me what DTS is real quick.
1: So it's a ten week. At the YWAM base that you start at, it's a 10-week training or teaching. Every week is a it's a different topic uh, that was, you know, started, uh, you know, 60 years ago. And uh, once you, it's the first part is knowing God more, and then you do a 10-week to 12-week outreach uh, to make Him known. So there's a training aspect of it, and then you get to go to the field and and poured out on the field and we do uh, mercy ministry evangelism we do training uh, we kind of have a wide spectrum of what you can do on the field but it's amazing to see these people come to the base their lives transformed and then they're so filled with fire and passion to go out and share about Jesus and and share what they've just learned it really is an amazing uh, amazing school
0: and I'm going to address what is the elephant in the room for some uh, youth pastors and those in ministry would ask is well, well wait a second what what denomination is is YWAM and I know that was one of my questions I wanted to be careful about what doctrine my my kids were going to get and uh, and YWAM is not strictly denominational and what I found was those who were were teaching at the base had actually came from various backgrounds and there were a few things that that challenged my kids they might hear something a little bit more. Pentecostal from one teacher a little more reformed for another a little more of this and that and I came to a realization that that exposure was actually pretty good for my kids and and I I was happy about that I I had a solid enough relationship I was teaching them the word and and I had connect with them enough that I wanted my kids and my youth group kids and I like it for my own kids too, to have some exposure to the larger body of Christ not just what I say about or tell about them. From uh, from the church, but I want them to connect and work side by side, and and if they have some theological differences, learn how to to talk those things out and have a respect for one another. So I actually appreciated that that element that they got to be a part of with YWAM. Now I'm going to shift gears here because we're hitting about that time, and every Soul podcast, you know, we've got to have our theology throwdown. So uh, because we don't have a whole lot of time, I'm going to give us a a question that really goes back to uh, what we were talking about earlier um, when when those who who challenge you about going to the other side of the world. But uh, I know there's a lot of argument about what's most effective in mission, but I first want to address what does the Bible say about it. So in the Bible, why go to the world? how did you end up on the other side of the planet and, and hopping on airplanes to, to different parts of here and there? What calling do you actually, an authority do you actually have from the word?
1: That's a good question. I, I, you know, growing up Christian and then also in the first part of my walk, once I really made it my own, I'd read Matthew 28 quite a bit. I remember when I, during my discipleship train school, I really devoured Matthew. I didn't even know where to start. So I thought Matthew would be a good start. And uh, I came across the great commission, which again, I've, I had read a bunch, but then I read it differently uh, when I was in discipleship train school, and I'll read it. Uh, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." And so whenever I read that in my discipleship training school after some teaching, I looked at the verse completely different. I looked at it as more, um, not just, hey, you can do this if you want. I looked at it as like a command. In heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore. It's not go if you'd like or go. It's a command. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So I started to see that as God uh, telling me, it 's an invitation to the inheritance of what uh, i 've asked the Father for i 've asked for the nations, go therefore, and make disciples and Then I heard a teaching from one of our founders, um, David Hamilton, and he had studied the Greek uh, wording of all this all these verses, and he realized that the baptizing in verse nineteen is a different uh, baptizing in the Greek than when John the baptism or John would baptize people. It's uh, baptizo, which um, bap-to, that John the Baptist would do was to dip them in the water. And the baptizo was a soak. He said he's, he pulled up a, a recipe that was a very old recipe uh, uh, from back in this time. And that baptizo, you would uh, put a pickle into vinegar or a cucumber and baptizo it into a pickle. And so he once I started looking at this verse completely different, that you would soak them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't just go and share about and baptize them with water, which you should do that as well, but you would baptizo them and you would soak them in the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So this was a very, very strong impact on my life, and I started realizing uh, missions is not only just an invitation, but it's so close to God's heart that we should all pray
0: and consider it. I'm actually going to go back to the Old Testament in the Book of Psalms. Now I have to tell you, if, if Brad were here, who's my co-host, there's there's a good chance that uh, that one of us would have been carded on this because he gives us red cards for uh, for going too long and throw down. But I couldn't stop you because I was really into that, <laughs> and I and I love that calling. But I'm going to move back to to Psalm chapter two, and uh, in Psalm chapter two, at verse eight, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance the ends of the earth, your possession. Now, I got to qualify that for a second because we can read that one verse out of context and as a Christian say, okay, Lord, you told me to ask you and I'm going to ask you for the nations. But the reality in context there is that that verse is not speaking directly to me or you. That verse is in fact, God the Father speaking to his son. And, And speaking to his son, he says to his son, ask me and I will give you the nations. Now, Jesus in the great commission, connecting that to the new Testament, the great commission. I I like to ask people what's, what's the very first word in the great commission. Those who've memorized it almost always say go, but it is not the very first word. The great commission begins with all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore go the, the, authority that Jesus was given refers back here to Psalm chapter two, the authority that the father gave to Jesus because of the cross, because he had laid down his life. Jesus has authority and authority is absolutely essential to knowing that you can go on mission because your natural question, when you think about this, going to Mongolia, you're going to Nigeria, going to any place where you're a foreigner and bringing a foreign gospel is Who am I? Who do I think I am to to go to the other side of the world? Well, it's not about who you are. It's about who Jesus is, and it's about his authority. And because of his authority, he says, therefore, go. And if you start the Great Commission with go into all the world, you're going to miss the authority that you have. And when you get scared and when things go crazy and whatever happens, you just start asking yourself the natural question, what am I doing here? Who am I? Well, what do you have to fall back on? Who are you? Who am I? If Jesus gave you authority, then who can be against you? Well, I'm going to cut off our theology throw down there. I got to shorten this one up because we actually got some other stuff to get to. But Dax, I want to ask you, uh, as we finish up, tell us a little more about how folks can follow up with YWAM. If they want to get involved, if they want to support the movement to end Bible poverty now, where can they follow up? Where can they get more information online?
1: So we have a, a you know, YWAM.com website that will show you all of our different locations around the world that are doing training and that you could pick from so many different locations around the world. Now, I'm located in uh, amazing Kona, Hawaii. It's one of our largest, it is our largest base. We, we right now, currently we have 800 students on our campus, so it's uh, quite large. And so I'm biased there, ywamkona.com. And then, but for In Bile Poverty Now, uh, it's just as simple of going to our website, inbilepovertynow.com. And seeing where we're working, seeing if you would like to go on a trip with us or uh, give towards the Bibles that are going out, we're, we're going to do 1.2 million Bibles in Myanmar uh, starting this next year and uh, 200,000 in the mountains of papua new guinea and we're going to continue with mongolia so go to the website be a part of it we, we'd love to have you guys
0: and as we hear about the the bibles uh, being distributed i want to connect that back again with the illuminations.bible website the the larger movement which is really something incredible in this ywam is teaming up with many other organizations and you're going to be hearing from some of those in uh, in this series of podcasts and and, and i just love to see the body of christ working together YWAM gets the joy and Dax, you get the joy of being on the delivery end of seeing the the faces and, and seeing the response and seeing the difference that the word of God makes. But it takes it, it takes a lot of organizations of developing those Bibles, translating those Bibles and printing and, and putting on SD cards. It takes te- technology. People, it takes a lot of people and it takes a lot of people in a lot of places, which I would mention. I'm guessing that there's not a few audience members who, uh, who when you finally mentioned Kona decided, Oh, I could do that. <laughs> now you're talking Nigeria, Mongolia. Sounds great. for so. But Kona, I think I could work with, well, it's a good starting place for you. Well, I'm going to let you go Dax. Thanks so much for, for joining me in the studio. Thank you audience for, uh, for tuning in. This has been the soul podcast. It's a mighty world. May your footprint be grace. That's all for the Soul Podcast, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the story. Join us next time as the conversation continues. You can subscribe wherever great podcasts are found, and you can find every episode at soulpodcast.com. That's S-O-L-E podcast.com. The Soul Podcast is a production of Through the Word. If you like this podcast, you're going to love Through the Word with audio guides for every chapter in the Bible. Join us for an epic journey through the entire Bible and understand the Bible in just 10 minutes a day. Get the app free at throughtheword.org. Thanks, everyone. Our producer is Brad Hornback. Audio production by Kira Joy. Video by Michael Kincaid. Audio editing by Daisy Short. On behalf of the whole team at The Soul Podcast, thanks for joining us. You heard the story, now go talk about it. Share a post, tell a friend, start a conversation, and we'll see you in the next one. You gotta hear that story.